Good morning and welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. My name is Matthew. I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of all of us. Uh, so glad that you could be with us today as we're uh, finding, finding our seats. Uh, we're aware that there's a little extra room today, right? And uh, that's a reminder that even here in Advent, we're continuing to experience a season of life that is throwing us all kinds of curveballs. Um, and so we remember that maybe more than usual, that there are more of us who are with us online, either right now at this moment or who will be checking in with us after the fact. And so whether you are here in the room right now online with us in the room um, or checking in with us after the fact, we are glad uh, to be together. Um, and we trust that God's spirit and presence is big enough um, to welcome us um, no matter how worship uh, is, how, uh, no matter how we're participating in it today. Uh, as we get started this morning, we are coming toward Christmas. There are many exciting things happening still, and I wanted to remind you of a few of those. The first is that at the congregational meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned about a worship survey. We're looking to hire a new director of worship, and we need your help in that process. Uh, the team in charge of that is create, has created a survey, and they would love to have you take a few moments to fill it out. We sent you a link online. That'd be our preference, but if you are paper trained and you really like to do it by hand, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. We have copies of it available here. That um, would be a great thing for you to do right after the service today. We'd really like them in by the end of today if, if that's possible. Um, so please do see that if you haven't already on your way out and fill one of those out. Uh, the other thing is that this time of year, uh, as I mentioned in our email, uh, we send and receive Christmas cards and family updates. And we do that as a church too. And one of those came from the Sullivan family up at Emmaus City. And it was good to get a greeting from them and hear about how the work is going there. If you would like a paper copy of that update, let Sadie know and we can, we can get you a printout of that as well. Uh, also, in terms of uh, speaking of printed things, uh, the 125th anniversary book is done, and it's back. And those copies are available as well. Jack, do you, can you remind me where they are? Oh, they're, they're actually already in the mailboxes, so look at that, right? Uh, so if you don't yet have a mailbox, if you'd like to see one of those copies, let us know so we can get you one. Otherwise, you can find one in your mailbox as well. And the other thing is that we are still holding out the hope that on December 26th, we will be able to celebrate the Christmas pageant. Uh, we're hoping to be able to share cookies for that day as well. If you would like to join us and participate in the Christmas pageant, everyone's welcome. We're going to have a rehearsal today after worship. Uh, so that consider that your invitation, and we'll hope to see you on the 26th. Friends, uh, all of those things are a lot of housekeeping notes as we get started, uh, and even as we've stirred up some of the dust about uh, things that are coming in the future, uh, we let that settle for a moment and remember that we have come into God's house and that he meets us here now. And so would you rise in body or in spirit, in the room or at home, and let's say this call to worship together. Friends, the Lord be with you. We continue on our Advent journey with a reminder. This world is not our home. Even now, we live by faith, longing for a better country and a new creation. Even now, I wait for the Lord, and in his word I hope. 
My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. People of God, hope in the Lord, for even now we do not wait in vain. promises. We walk toward God's future feast, and we carry the book of God's story. People of God, welcome home. Let's sing together.
This is from the book of Hebrew. Advent is about waiting with a promise from God. And so Advent is about hope, our great hope, that Jesus who came as a savior will come again as the king. Just as Christmas Day comes closer, so does the day Jesus returns to make all things new. Together we wait with joy and with those who hoped in the Lord before us. The first reading, Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope and for insurance about what we do not see by faith. Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God said to him, it is though Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. All these people were still living by faith. When they died, they did not receive all the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Friends, this is God's word. Thanks be to God. And our gospel reading is from the book of Luke today. Um, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. <clears throat> the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at her words, at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Ready? Friends, this is the gospel of Jesus. Friends, 
Friends, this is the gospel of Jesus. Today we remember that our waiting is almost over. And so we light all four of these Advent candles as the light of our hope grows brighter. So does our awareness that Jesus is already here. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Desire of every nation. 
kingdom bring by thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone by thine all-sufficient merit raise us to Lord God, our lives have sin in them, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, and sometimes we have forgotten it is there. We do not notice our neighbor's needs, and we do not have love. You, uh, we do not love you above all else. We have forgotten that this is what you have asked of us. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus, you came to show your people where the sin is and to save your people from it. We also need and to be forgiven. Come, Come Lord, Jesus. Lord Jesus. Please continue in silent prayer. Jesus, our King and Shepherd, you came to us by the Spirit and were born in Bethlehem. Come by your Holy Spirit now. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. Amen. Friends, hear these words of assurance from Isaiah 40. Friends, the Lord says, comfort, comfort, my people. Your sins are pardoned. The penalty is paid. Friends, to all who turn from sin and sorrow, to all who turn to God in hope, this is God's word of grace. We are forgiven. We are loved. This is the gift we have from God. The good news of this Advent season, forgiveness of sin and new life. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Will you rise and sing with us? He leadeth me. Leadeth me, he leadeth me. 
Please greet each other in a COVID-friendly way. Have the kids come up for Kid Street. People of God, what is our prayer? Lord, continue to show us your wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Amen. The Lord be with you. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. My name is Steve Herringa, one of the elders here at Pleasant Street, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Before we go into prayer, just a little, uh, well, it's connected, but uh, my lovely bride, Ruth, and I had the chance over this past week to go to another world where we didn't think about everyday life, a little uh, company-paid, all-inclusive resort trip. What, what could go wrong, right? Really, nothing went wrong, except that we had to come back. Upon our return, no, actually, that whole day of airport lines, customs, TSA, the reality of coming back to reality 
slowly seeped in. And that escape of being on an island with cool breezes and a occasional beverage in hand in the pool slowly slipped away. And the reality of life as, as is necessary came back. So differences that we might have even within our family, within our church, within our community, the challenges of everyday life, the inevitable backup of work emails that you have to sift through when you return, all those things crept back as we came back into reality. In thinking about that and in search of words to pray this morning, Perhaps we've all experienced this. You maybe searched for words that you couldn't really create yourself for particular times in life. So in searching for what and how to pray for us today, um, I will give credit where credit is due. I found words better than those I could write. So credit is due to some of the staff at Crosswalk. Some of you may be familiar with that website. So these are words that some of their staff shared for this Christmas time, uh, but felt that they were words that we need to hear today as we every day live in our reality. So would you please join me in a prayer for peace, hope, fellowship, and joy. Lord, in a season when every heart should be happy and light. Many of us are struggling with the heaviness of life, burdens that steal the joy right out of our Christmas stockings. This life is hard, sometimes unbearable. The loss of a loved one who fought the fight against cancer so valiantly. The unwanted divorce that left us wondering if anything in our lives had been real. The pain of infertility that leaves us devastated every single month. The hurt of watching a child walk away from the truth of God's word. Crazy weather disasters strike at unsuspecting areas. Ravaging peaceful homes, interrupting the lives of unsuspecting residents. Tragedy arrives as innocent victims suffer and an inner voice whispers, be afraid. So we need your peace, Jesus. Lord, we still carol the wonderful message, huddled beneath winter caps on snow-covered porches, or from churches, as this morning, led by enthusiastic musicians or choir members. Yet, we confess that our hearts are too often filled with wonder of a different kind. Wondering when the bills will be paid, when the terror will stop, when rest will come. Will it ever? Is the message still true? There's no end to the painful circumstances we face in this life, but no matter the pain, we always have the thrill of hope, the promise 
that our Savior has won the victory. In a world where worry, not peace, prevails, stir up that good news again. This Christmas, make it real in our hearts. Never have we needed your joy and peace more than now. Thank you for the gift of Jesus, our Emmanuel, the Word made flesh. Forgive us for forgetting that your love never changes, never fades, and that you never abandon the purpose for which you came, to save us from our sinful condition and to give us life eternal, the joy of relationship with the Holy God. Your birth and your death sealed your promise to us forever. Lord, for those whose hearts are battered by sorrow or broken relationships, for those whose lives know only conflict and confusion, for those whose bodies are tired and tested beyond their ability to endure this year, precious Savior, draw them close to you. Let them know you are still the same Jesus who was born of a virgin, not in a hospital, but an animal barn, laid in a manger of hay. You are still the one sent by a heavenly Father who offered not condemnation for our sins, but love and forgiveness and daily divine fellowship. We not only need your peace and joy, Lord, we crave it. You've promised rest for the weary, victory for the battle-scarred, peace for the anxious, and acceptance for the brokenhearted, not just at Christmas, but every day of the year. Lord, release the joy in us that's been crushed by pride, wrong priorities, or world events. Tear down the strongholds that have held us captive far too long. Extinguish the flames of apprehension that rob us of a calm, quiet spirit. Show us again the beauty of that holy night so many centuries ago. Your name is still called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. As your children, we cry out for a fresh filling and the new awareness of who you are. We choose by faith to make the good news of great joy a reality in our own lives so others can see us as lighted trees of life pointing to you this Christmas. We know one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And we also know that peace on earth can only come when hearts find peace with you. You are still our joy. You are still our peace. You are no longer a babe in the manger. You are Lord of lords and King of kings. And we still celebrate you as Lord this Christmas and always. Amen. Hello? I just wanted to say that was beautiful. That was very excellent. This morning's reading will be from Isaiah 40, verses 9 through 11. 
O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. You know, sometimes it takes a little while for the candle of joy to take. I had another plan for that, but uh... good morning, friends. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you. Christmas is close. We're almost there. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, today we are waiting. Those who have lost their homes or family members are waiting. Those in slavery are waiting. People who feel lost are waiting. People who live in a place where there is violence or hunger are also waiting. We are waiting for a king who is wise and powerful enough to make everything brand new. And we are waiting for a shepherd who can comfort us, guide us, and help us when we are sad or lost or alone. And you, O God, are the only one who can do both. And so we are waiting for you. Today, right now, help us to know that we do not wait alone but with your promise and the reminder of all that you have done to keep it. In your name, amen. All of you may have gotten the sense uh, by now that Advent is my favorite season of the church year. I don't think I've been hiding it. Our tree has been up since the weekend after Thanksgiving, perhaps like many of you, But I have come to love Advent for more than just uh, an authentic preparation for Christmas Day. Because Advent is about more than just getting ready for Christmas for four weeks. Advent is actually about our life as Christians now. What other time does the church have but Advent? Karl Barth said that. Advent is about life right now, in the present. Life in our present reality where we stand between what has already happened and what is certain to happen. Between the coming of Jesus Christ wrapped in clothes and his return with iron scepter, robed in glory. And so Advent is about being in a world 
that is torn between two ages, the age of decay where the prince of the ruler of the air rules with fear and scarcity and selfish desire, and the new age of the kingdom of God and his son who made the world and who is coming back for all of it. And the church stands between these two ages holding a great big hope for the second coming. Advent is about waiting for, a, for an arrival. And that sounds familiar because this year there is another arrival that we are anticipating. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Is that not the most terrifying thing you've ever heard? Why do we sing that? Every year, we sing about the impending arrival of a man who breaks into our homes, steals some of our food, leaves sooty sooty footprints all over the carpet, and then drops off packages that are so specific to us, it can only mean he has hacked our search data. We sing about this man in a red suit who watches us when we're sleeping and who has a giant moral accountability list, which he checks twice Rewarding the good and punishing the bad. And by the way, did you notice that he doesn't bother to tell you what good or bad actually is? It's like there's this, uh, like it's up to each culture or family to define it for themselves. Although there is one thing that is true, which is that apparently sadness counts as a strike against everyone. Isn't that interesting? When Santa comes, only happy, obedient people are rewarded. Better watch out, no kidding. Well, I mean, come on, it's just a song for the kids. How does that make it better exactly? The, Gordon, the, the theologian Gordon Smith once noticed this, and he wrote this in a book which I flagged and tucked away for such an occasion as this. He said, Santa Claus is coming to town tells us that if we want to receive the benefits of Christmas then we'd better be good. If we are not good, then Santa Claus will know, and if he knows, there will be consequences. And actually, the more that I think about that, the truth is that that fear lives within the heart of all of us. And not just in the four weeks leading up to Christmas, but probably all year round. My friends, he only wears the red suit at Christmas, but he looms large in our imagination. We fear the coming of one who has seen us in the dark, who has the length of arm to reach behind our defenses and get into our lives with the power to assess favor and discipline. And in that way, Santa Claus is actually a kind of a parody of the coming of God foretold by the prophets of Israel. They called it the day of the Lord. Isaiah said it would be a day when everything done in the dark would come to the light. Mary sang of a day when God's people would be vindicated and the rich would be empty and the poor would be full and God would rule without end and injustice and evil would come to an end. 
A day when God would come and set everything right. Who will be able to stand on that day, the prophets ask. Who indeed, who can stand? No wonder Paul picks up that idea and says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I know we aren't accustomed to thinking about it so much anymore, but we need to. To remember that as Fred Craddock said, God's presence is what everybody wants and what nobody wants. The prophets would have us prepare duck and cover for impact when when God arrives in earth-shaking glory, and that does not quite seem like something to put your hope in. It does not seem like good news. Unless, well, unless you already know that you've blown it. Which for Israel is what it means to be in exile, which is where we are today. You see, when Israel left Jerusalem, it it wasn't for Christmas vacation. (laughs) They did not choose their destination. They went where someone told them, and, and they did it at spear point. We've been working through this chapter in Isaiah 40, and we remember that between chapter 39 and and 40, there's like just two blank lines in my Bible, maybe in yours, but there's like 150 years of time. Israel is sent into exile in Babylon, and they have to stay there for a while. And Isaiah's words go with them, and it's Isaiah's job to remind them how they got there. The people of God do not leave their homes and go into exile because they picked bad allies or because they didn't have the right strategy. They go into exile because they stopped trusting in Yahweh. And so exile is, among other things, judgment, which is something we all actually understand better than we realize. I mean, even if we don't use the word sin, I mean, even if we reject the whole idea we have not been able to shake off the fear that someday someone is going to come and settle accounts. And it does not seem like good news that someone with that kind of reach, with that arm, might come to us. I mean, with Santa Claus, I know growing up, I could be pretty sure that you're going to get what you asked for. With the king, whose arm and reach is long and powerful, we are more concerned that we will get what we deserve. In which case, the prophet Isaiah actually has very good news for us. Because Isaiah 40 is written down for people who live under some awareness of God's judgment. Isaiah says, go find a big tall mountain. There's good news coming. And Isaiah has us on pins and needles. What is the good news, Isaiah? Go up on a mountain, he says. If you're Jerusalem, go up on Jerusalem. There's good news coming. Yes, what is it out with it already? But Isaiah, being a poet, he unfolds the news slowly. In verse 9, he tells the story of good news by imagining for us a, a woman climbing to the top of a hill and shouting to her town, 
Isaiah imagines a a woman who is maybe working in a field or out gathering water and then who notices something on the horizon. Overcome with joy, she climbs the tallest hill and she begins to shout out what she has seen. Behold, God is here. Behold, here comes God. She is playing the role that these first readers would have understood as being the first one to announce a victory after a war. You see, in a world where there was no news feed, the sign of victory was always the king coming home. Because if the king didn't come back, it meant you lost. And Isaiah is saying that this woman whom he is imagining, that she has the good news of victory and that the good news is spoken for exiles. It is news of a victory for people who lost their faith in their God. It is good news that God is coming home to the people who lost their home. It is good news that God is coming for his own even though they all forgot his name. And the God that she sees is dressed like a warrior. Even far off, you can see the strength in his arms. And you know from the crown on his head that he is the one with the wisdom and the right to sort absolutely everything out. And it is the king who is coming back. But lest we run in fear and terror, she says, wait, 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 I'm not finished yet. The king is not just raw power. The king is also carrying a shepherd's staff and not just a sword. And he's bringing the spoils of war with him. What is it? What is it? Tell us, what do you see from up there? It's treasure. What is it? Is it gold? Is it new technology? Is it a captured army? I mean, kings go to war for reasons like that. No. It's sheep. It's Sheep, his reward, his precious thing, the thing he went after is sheep. Young and old, sick, well, ewes and lambs, they are with him. And he is carrying the lambs, actually. They are the ones he has come to rescue and to lead. Behold, she says three times, behold, here comes God. Behold, a king with a mighty arm and a wise head. Behold, a shepherd, and he's carrying lambs. Behold, she is saying, I have good news for you. This king can heal and husband as well as rule. Behold, the king that we have all been worried about with the arm and the reach and the strength and the wisdom and the right to set the world right is also the shepherd who knows the way home through all that is dark and sad and broken and rough in this world. The ruling arm of God is the carrying arm. And that is very good news indeed. You might not know this, but this passage right here in Isaiah 40, this is the first time in the Old Testament that the words good news show up like this. And they are shouted from the rooftops in exile and they are proclaimed over people who live in fear and awareness that they have no hope. And they are announcing something that is absolutely wonderful. 
We live in a trap of our own making. We have spurned the Father and we have spent the inheritance. We are lost and without bus fare. We are sick and can't make ourselves well. All is not well. And Isaiah says this great hope is for us who live in a world where all is not well. Behold, here comes God anyway. Behold, here comes God to set the world right and to lead the lost, to make all things new. And when God does that, all things will be new. The English mystic Julian of Norwich spent most of her life in a cell. But it was a cell that locked from the inside. And that was by choice. She was an anchoress, and she lived in Norwich, England, during the 14th century, and she spent her life devoted to one task, which was to meditate on God and to seek his presence. That was her vocation. And she wrote a book called The Revelations of Divine Love about what God showed her in a world where things were very much not well. You see, what you have to know about Julian is that during her life there in England, there was a tremendous amount of suffering. There was a virus that no one could really stop. The Black Plague was in the process of killing at least half the population of her city and the surrounding countryside. There was also religious and political turmoil. The peasants' revolt was happening, uh, which meant that there was rioting and there was bloodshed. And at the ripe old age of 30, Julian became so ill that she nearly died. And it was in that time where everyone was giving her the last rites because they thought it was the end of the story that she has a vision. Actually, 15 visions, I believe. Between four and nine one afternoon, there in that cell, she receives 15 showings. Heaven opens to her, and she beholds Christ in his glory, and she sees the meaning and the power of his sufferings. And in the 13th showing in particular, Julian receives this comforting answer to a question that has long been lodged in her heart, but she never felt sure she could say out loud. She writes, in my folly, I had often wondered why, if God is wise, would God not prevent sin in the first place? It's a fair question. For then I thought all should have been well. And I tried not to think about this question, but nevertheless I mourned and I sorrowed because of it without reason or discretion. But Jesus in this vision answered this question with these words and said, It was necessary that there should be sin, but all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. Generations later, in another time, in a different place, and yet one full of turmoil and war and hatred, in a time when our world and society was very unwell, another servant of God, Martin Luther King Jr., would sometimes quote his father, who said, At the end... Everything will be all right. And so if it's not all right, then it's not the end. 
And if you, my friends, are tempted, as we all are in this dark world, to say, it's words. It's just words, man. Wait. Just wait. Because in a few days, the words, the promises that come from God's own mouth, become as real as flesh and blood. And the angels will sing of the good news of the great king, who is the spitting image of David. And his mom will sing about how he's going to make everything right. And Zechariah will sing about how the sun is finally coming up after a long, long night, and the promises will grow up in the person of Jesus. He will not look like a king, let me warn you right now. And he does not take up the apprenticeship as a shepherd. And everyone is looking for someone powerful and wise. And everyone knows that things are not right. And everyone knows that somehow they aren't either. And so they're going to stand on the banks of the Jordan because they want to be washed and ready for God, and we will count ourselves among them, the sick and the lost and the looking for hope and those hoping against hope, that there is a way yet for justice and peace to embrace and not fight with each other, and it will be John the Baptist with Isaiah's own voice and eyes who says, behold, God is already here. He is standing among you right now. And we didn't see it coming. But the first thing the king does is give his life for the sheep. He is broken so that we could be set straight. The judge comes and he takes the sentence. And the good news is that the punishment has been paid. And in the wilderness, a voice cries, we were unprepared and God came anyway. And we are grass, but the word of God died so that we could live forever. And he is coming again. In fact, right now you can look on the horizon with faith and see that he's on his way. And in church, we have a word for this. It's called hope. We call it hope. And if this is the first time you're ever hearing about it, if you find yourself worrying that maybe you missed him, do not be afraid. Because he's coming back. He's on his way right now. And he's bringing a new world with him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, today we are waiting. We count ourselves among those who have lost things, those who feel trapped, those who do not know the way home, those who feel afraid or like we don't have enough. We are waiting for a king who is wise and powerful enough to make everything brand new, and we are waiting for a shepherd who can comfort us and guide us and help us when we are sad or lost or alone, and you are the only one who can do both. And so we are waiting for you. Help us to know that we do not wait alone. We wait in your fulfilled promise that you have come and that you will come and that even now you are already with us. Amen. Friends, we get a chance to respond to God's good news together. We do this through singing and through acts of giving 
which is a tangible way to practice trusting God, but also through conversation. And this morning, our ECHO students, uh, who are third through fifth grade age, um, have a chance to do that in conversation with some of our church leaders. And so, uh, if you are an uh, ECHO-aged person, would you come up so we can bless you and dismiss you? People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard, plant it deep in our hearts, and live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. Thank you, guys. And we continue our response as well by offering up some of what God has entrusted to us for our offering. The offering this morning is for the ministries of our church and that it supports. Um, We're not giving by passing baskets, but you can give online. You can drop off checks in the box on your way in or during the week uh, in the mailbox. Having done so, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this life of call and response, of being fed and encouraged by your promises and having a chance to respond by raising our own voices and offering up some of what you've given to us. Uh, Open our eyes to see the abundance of the things that you have given to us and open open our eyes to needs in our community so that out of the abundance of what we have, we might find ways to share it with those who have needs. And we ask that in all of this, somehow we would know your glory and grace better. In your name, amen. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body or in spirit because the God who has gathered us here sends you out into this week before Christmas with a blessing. Friends, now may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's go singing.
Have a wonderful week. We'll see you here Christmas Eve.